to Hilliard Beacon Audio Companion number 25, I believe it is. Mm. This is a special election edition. We are welcoming in first to my left, Tim Hoffman, as usual. Hello. And to my right, Kevin Corvo, as per usual as well. Good afternoon. And dead ahead, straight on, uh, Les Carrier. Welcome in, sir. Hello, Hilliard. I wanted to say that. It's like, you know, WKRP in Cincinnati. It's almost Just mandatory kidding. to lean into the microphone and let it go and one let it time. Rip. Yep. All right. Yeah. I'm glad I got that out of my system. Sure, absolutely. Excellent. It's all, it's all uh, within the realm of things that everybody does when they sit down to talk to us. So uh, we are here today uh, to kick off the Hilliard Beacons uh, election coverage, Les, you are our first council person uh, to sit in, but you're actually here. Uh, because this election season you are pursuing a township office as a trustee. Uh, in just a second, I'm going to let you introduce yourself, give a little bit of background on uh, your personal career, your public service, and uh, any anything else you want the folks out there to know about. But I thought maybe I would kick it over to my uh, friend Tim Hoffman to run through some of these uh, guidelines. Since this is our first time through the election cycle and election season here in Hilliard, we're trying to establish a consistent format so that uh, people feel that they can come here and trust that they will be fairly represented and uh, understand uh, that that's what we're here to do. So, Tim, if you want to run through some of the specifics of that, I will turn it over to you. Absolutely. Uh, it's been fun sort of working on this project, uh, planning to have every local candidate uh, in or at least give them the opportunity to sit down mm -hmm. with us. Um, what we really want to do is, is um, provide a resource uh, for Hilliard voters that really hasn't been there before uh, in the form of a long-form talk with candidates uh, where they're able to um, uh, speak at length without time limits on the things that are important to them. Um, we really want uh, our listeners to have a good feel uh, for why these candidates are running, what to expect from them if they, uh, if they win their election and, and get the seat that they're shooting for, um, and also to sort of address questions at large uh, that have come up, uh, especially during the election season or uh, leading up to it over the course of uh, 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 someone's service on council or in the city or in the township as that goes so you know our goal is to be uh you know as neutral as we can be and just uh allow our candidates to talk yeah and to provide the the foundation of a consistent resource that people can come to trust going forward so we're all here trying to provide that and in future installments of that you can expect that so that's our game plan uh, that being said, Les, you are our first candidate. You're seeking the office of township trustee. I'm actually second. Cynthia's been on, right? Correct. Yes, but for... She wasn't here in the context of oh, yeah. her, her candidacy and only her candidacy. Oh. Yeah. She, was, she was here with Dan Rowley. But you're the first to be here exclusively and only for your campaign. You see me smiling, right? Well, I mean, there it is. It didn't take but two minutes for it to become as oppositional as I anticipated it becoming. But always with a smile it on our face. can't be wholly avoided. As but. is uh, the manner in which we tend to engage in comfortable suburbs like Hilliard. So I think it's one of those things where people will have their say, and you're always welcome to come back on, Les, to expand on uh, things we talk about here today or things that other people discuss. 
And uh, you have your own network of resources, as I'm sure we'll talk about in this interview, which you can uh, use to, uh, obviously, your, your purposes and your uh, local ambitions, which include your service already for over a decade as a council person. Uh, but in this context, you're now moving into the, I guess you could say, arena of township politics. So what uh, do you want folks to know about where you've been where you're going and why you've moved in this way. It, it's, thank you. Jordan, you did really well there. Um, <laughs> we all know that there's all different perspectives, but that is the one thing I can count on you is you are willing to debate. You are willing to have those conversations. I don't know Mr. Hoffman that well yet, but I'll get there. And everyone knows Kevin. Kevin was born and raised here. Everybody knows Kevin. So about me, I started about a little over a decade ago. I actually started before that. I was on a several committees. I was on the St. Brendan School Advisory Committee and learned a little bit about school finance. Then I got on the School Audit Committee, um, uh, got in-depth about school finance and started getting the shakes because of how uh, uh, I, at the time, thought it was unsustainable. And I think a lot of folks on that committee did as well um, with the growth that we were having back a decade ago. And so... Uh, then got into, okay, what's the next step? And I said, well, run for city council. And I think at the same time, or right around that time, Councilman Painter had uh, put his name in that too. And so it was an interesting transition. Um, but uh, as my wife would say, well, it's just Hilliard. It'll, it'll be fine. And then almost a year after that, I started doing uh, charter initiatives and referenda and learning all about the ins and outs of that. And I think Jordan, you and I actually worked on that together, circulating petitions years ago on the uh, tax increment financing uh, situation. Uh, issue nine yep. Yep. Uh, is an interesting thing, and I hope we get into it uh, a little bit later if we can. I, I think that's kind of an underlying mechanism of a lot of the discussions that we need to have surrounding development and actually that drive development, uh, regardless of the style or type. Um, it's how those uh, subsidies work uh, that tends to move people uh, through space and time to create something in that arena right now. So we, we will get to that and we should talk about it because I think that's one of those things where as a financial mechanism, it works one way and it cuts across different uh, contexts that taxing, may... Taxing agencies is really where it cuts yeah. across them. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and I think it, it, it divides people along a different axis than maybe a, a traditional political context might, might uh, it, as taxes often do. Wow. Right. And we're learning that right now. Right. So, yeah. so uh, about a little bit, you mentioned your public service background there about uh, school finance and getting onto those boards. Place that for me in your overall career. Like, where were you uh, when you came to those positions? Well, privately, I had been in a consulting role within the uh, nationwide enterprise in the corporate culture, uh, then became a consultant. So I moved into... It's really a niche area. Uh, personally, I helped do settlement planning and consulting uh, with catastrophic injury cases. Um, I've done a lot of consulting work with major corporations across the country. So I was traveling a lot. And then, as like everybody, COVID hit. And now I don't have to go to Colorado for two days. I can Zoom it. You know what Yeah, I mean? things have jumped it's forward really, in that regard. really changed. And when you look at our tax base in Hilliard, Honda Corporation and Nationwide, insurance are now some of our largest employers and three years ago they weren't 
and they don't even have a physical facility here. So, yeah, I wonder how that uh, distribution of the tax base has changed relative to that huge downtown plaza. I mean, I can't imagine that that's staffed fully. Well, I think I, I think this hoteling, this uh, sharing of office space, the co-hatch, uh, what uh, Andy Warnock's doing back there by the uh, Arts Council, those kind of concepts are going to come because you still ne- need connectivity with your employees. But if they're happier working out of their home and they have better work-life balance, it just becomes uh, a natural transition uh, to a different operating model. Mm. Um, and I think everyone's still trying to figure it out. But I remember talking to Kenny McDonald um, at the uh, it was at Columbus One at the time, and we had him out for a council retreat. And he said, "Oh, everybody will be back in their offices once this thing goes." Mm. And I just looked at him, and I was the guy that just said, "I don't can't, I don't think so." Yeah. And I think you look at the major metropolitan areas in New York and even Columbus. There's been a shift, and there and there's a lot of Class A office space that's now being repurposed. Yeah. So it's a, it's an interesting time. Uh, it's been fascinating to watch where I sit as a you know a council member in Hilliard, Ohio, in a suburb of a major metropolitan area. So, right, uh, I think that's a the development culture here because of the time we're in uh, with the way things are going. Uh, I think that that's that's a logical next place for our conversation to take us. Uh, you are involved with the Southwestern Property Owners Collective, Scioto Derby Property Owners Collective, Scioto Property Owners Collective. I'm sorry. Let's it's just call it Spock. 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 Yeah. S-P-O-C. Yeah. Um, really helped form the group. I'm not on their board. Uh, I have no formal affiliation with them other than to, I meet with them. I talk. I, I really enjoy working with Holly Holly Hollingsworth. Uh, uh, I think she's really, in a lot of ways, helped all of us distill what Spock stands for, and that's not no, it's what. Mm-hmm. And it's not that you can't develop. We all understand growth coming. And I think you're seeing that playing out in our comprehensive plan discussions and debate we're having now. Um, it's not no, it's what. It's how it's going to be. Um, I use the word neighborly. Mm. Uh, I, I, I just uh, – I, I, I get angry when I see some of the shenanigans that are going on down in Norwich Township right now. No, I'm not Norwich Township, Norwich Street, um, where, you know, this, this guy doesn't want to sell, and the developer sends him a picture and says, here's what the five-story parking deck's going to look in your backyard. That, uh, that angered me, and that got me very motivated and engaged to get into a different gear uh, to start to change that dynamic. Because when somebody does that, they believe they have absolute power. And I don't think that's fair to that family that lives there. I don't think it's fair to the community. Uh, and I absolutely think that we've got to change the way we're going to do things and make sure that we're doing things in a neighborly, measured, moderate fashion. So I, let, me, let me, if I could, Jordan, I know we're going to talk about this, and I want to get to it first because it's hot on my mind. Somebody at a school board meeting said that I called people in apartments peasants. And it is absolutely not the truth. Um, I was at a township, Norwich Township meeting. Yeah, I'll, I'll read that. Uh, yeah, read, if you I want. didn't hear it all. I didn't see a video. I just heard about it and I just want to get it out I there. I think the thing uh, that is, it's of a list of bullet points, and you were listed as a comment from the public because in this context, you were yeah. there attending one of these initial meetings of SPOC at a township, at a township meeting. meeting. Correct. So it was a collective of <laughs> residents there, essentially. <laughs> Uh, taking their time to speak publicly to their township trustees in this context. And uh, among the bullet points listed, I think there are one, two, three, four, five, but you were the last, uh, and it highlighted uh, 
Councilman Carrier provided a great deal of information about actions the citizens group could take, including going through the process of getting a referendum on the ballot in the city of Columbus. He stated that at least 10,000 valid signatures would be required on the petition and all must be residents of the city of Columbus. This is as a result of it actually being a Columbus type two annexation, which creates a Columbus parcel. And that means that the resident signatures would have to be of that municipality. Correct. So continuing, he stated that this is really a regional issue and that the city of Columbus wants to construct, and this is the quote, peasant housing in our community. A good strategy might be to join forces with groups similarly impacted in in other areas of the region. So in the case of telephone, if somebody said, you called people peasants, that's not <laughs> correct. I think what is originally quoted and here is peasant housing, which is somewhat similar, but describes the development style instead of... Right. Uh, so it, let, let me give you some context. Yeah, sure. So when this discussion was going on with the trustees and throughout the discussion where Holly was talking, I was speaking, the... A uh, developer has come forth with the Spock, pro- I'm going to call it the Dublin Road pod- project that Spock is adamantly against as his current format, uh, 250 some apartments on 14 acres with a density of about 17 or so per acre. So when you wrap your head around that, that's a lot of four-story buildings right up there on Dublin Road. Hmm. And uh, Mental and his group had come and said to the Spock group that they want to use the workforce housing credits or the workforce housing uh, program for that development. And so when I looked at it and I said, you know, it, and I'll say this to anybody, I said it to Derek Richardson the other day, I said, we have called high density apartments for people of need projects. We've called them section eight. We've called it affordable housing and we've dressed it up as workforce housing. Now for 50 years, guys, we have had these programs in different metropolitan areas that almost unarguably are unsuccessful. So what do we do? We go and call it workforce housing, and then we use taxpayer dollars, giveaways to developers who then build apartments for people who, who they charge rent to, by the way. It's not like we're giving them the space. And then they hang on by their fingernails because they got to pay rent and they're only earning 15 to $20 an hour. If that's a definition of success, I reject it. I, I absolutely own the comment I made in the, in the context of workforce housing. It's nothing but another marketing term for what I would call a failed housing policy. Well, I think I think a lot of what gets built is developers finding the delta for justifying subsidy that they need in order to make obscene profits <laughs> thank you and to, i don't disagree with you and to continue uh, profiting through rents that are in no way workforce friendly or affordable or family friendly or any correct of correct that's right so i think the struggle becomes these projects only move forward when the capital mechanism is engaged which means you have to be playing at a certain level to even engage these tax credits these tax credits are looking to be spent by these various municipalities. So what I'm suggesting is that in other contexts, building tanks or what have you, people would trumpet the creation of all these local jobs, creating all these housing units and everything else. I obviously 
would fall on the side of something as extreme as rent control within our municipality if I felt it would help people attain secure housing, and I do, I would support that publicly, but nobody's gonna bring that forward in a place like Hilliard. But what I think should come forward is this government should step forward and should begin the process of courting people that develop on different scales. And I think that in this community plan, I think in this comprehensive plan, there is a range of suggested development there is a range of housing option suggested for cultivation. But I think what needs to happen is you need to do that work. You need to find and cultivate those contractors. And I know that big projects move forward with power. Small projects move forward asking permission. And that's one of the issues that we're facing. So Dan Rowley came in and suggested that a lot of work's been done to streamline a lot of these processes for permitting and things of that nature. They've done a good job. How successful do you feel the professionalization effort of the administration of Hilliard City Government has been? You alluded to the idea uh, that there might be uh, areas where things should be prioritized or deprioritized. Overall, can you give me a rating on that effort? Well... I think, it, like, it, like so many things, it's a mixed bag. I think we've actually not moved forward with very, very well on the transparency side. I think uh, uh, we have some serious challenges there, and I brought those to the floor from uh, the audit that they didn't want to do on how we wired a million dollars, two hundred fifty thousand dollars somewhere, and figuring that out. I still couldn't tell you how it completely it happened, and that's a tragedy, and the community should know that. So I think there's we some, did work on that. We yeah, there's some real, real transparency questions. Um, you know, you've got that culture, but I do think there's a lot of positives. There is, it's a, like I said, it's a mixed bag. Mm. But I will tell you, and I don't want to, I'm going to circle back to this peasant issue because it's so, I'm so passionate about it. Sure. Feel free. I, th- I think what we've done with these programs is help developers and not help the people with outcomes. Mm. And I would argue very strongly that the way forward out of abject poverty is not giving someone an apartment in a six or eight story building to rent and pay a developer rent, sure. but to find a way to get them to be successful. And you don't have to go very far for that. Look at Kim Emsch and what she's doing and how she's helping people with ESL, English, English as a second language. And she's, she's doing it, Jordan and Tim and, and Kevin, through education. The only way to go forward is education. So I say if you want to do some of these things and you want to create a momentum with people that have better outcomes, we can't do what we've done for the last 50 years. Now, I use peasant because, quite frankly, in the feudal times, that's the way it was set up. There was a lord, there was a landowner, there was, you know, and then there was people in the military, and then there were the peasants. And that's that I learned that in, in high school. Yeah. And your Raider might be proud of me. But my, <laughs> my point of all that is, Jordan, and I want to make sure it's clear. I I don't have a problem with anybody living anywhere. I don't have a problem with people in apartments. I there was a we, we've got a good housing stock apartments. We've got a great stock of affordable housing. Just look at our neighborhoods, Conklin, Beacon, over there off of um, Taylor Lane Drive, over there just to the south of Weaver, or to the west of Weaver. Tons of wonderful affordable housing. This comp plan that you're referencing, by the way, wants to take a certain percentage of that, bulldoze it, make a, a access road, 
and knock those houses out off of Cemetery Road. Yeah, but that will all be sold and they'll be paid. And that's private property owners' rights to sell to whoever wants to pay them. If they want to sell. Sure. But that's not what's happening in Hilliard and Old Hilliard right now. Go talk to the people on Norwich Street. I mean, They're being shoved out. They're trying to be shoved out. The odds are that, like you know, this is America. Capitalists are going to capital. Sure. And people are going to push via the mechanisms that the country, state, and municipality allow. And it's up to people to create structures that provide for them meaningful pushback, right? And I always fall back on, what's the city organizational chart, right? Right. City org chart may be largely symbolic, but it goes citizens, council, manager, commissions, et cetera, et cetera, right? It breaks down after that. Commissions above manager, technically speaking, because they're parallel in reporting to the council. But what stands out to me is that City manager, organized. Council, organized. Commissions, organized. Citizens, not organized. But organizing people and mobilizing people around two words, which I think are highly polarizing, because who is to say what is saving anything? (laughs) And who is to say what is damning anything? And or committing uh, a promise that might be difficult to keep in practice because as we know apartments have been built apartments will be built and apartments are probably going to be built very close to you regardless of who gets elected so let me let me answer you're talking about let's just dot dot save hilliard.com correct it's a good way to segue into talking about community plan because right. I know you want to talk about that too because that's where we're going anyway right so that organization was created Um, as an alternative path forward to the community plan. Through the community plan. What's that? Through the community plan, because the community plan is not going away. No, it can be repealed. And absolutely, if this council changes hands, that will be the first order of business. We will stop that program and that density from going forward. (laughs) So absolutely, the council has the power to do that. And by you just said it, the citizens have the way to do that. Mm. So the communication is going to occur this fall. We've got candidates, Councilman Vermillion and Marsh, who say, this plan's a great one, I want all this density. Mm-hmm. And we've got folks that say, hey, we got a better way forward. And what, what we're doing is promoting those different ways forward. We're pointing to the cottage homes on Norwich Street. We're pointing- On Norwich Street where people are being pushed out? Yeah, cottage homes, exactly. Sure. They're there, Jordan. They fit in, right? They do, and, they're, and guess what? They're not three or four stories high. But they got developed by a developer that put money into it to develop it. And guess what? Didn't need an incentive. No. Not one nickel. So we're pointing to outcomes that matter. Look at Eventing sure. Way. Look at yeah. the condos on Eventing Way over there. I can't remember the name of the condos, but there's like 50 of them back up in there on the hill. Sure. And they're, as soon as they go up, they go down. Look at Car oh, Farms. Nothing available. So we are advocating very forcefully through the mediums that we have, through the Safe Hilliard app, through the videos. We put out a video that was pretty good quality. Omar did a really good job with it, Omar Tarazi. And we're saying there's another way forward. Now, what's happened since then, and let's just be clear. At first it was, oh, it's just a plan. Second thing that came out of the, of the, other, of the opposite, the other side was, well, not all apartments are alike and they don't add children to the schools because that was obviously an issue that people connect. No one's talking about the traffic yet, and some of them are putting together that. How do you have all those apartments and multifamily on Cemetery Road and handle the traffic? We're going to get to that. 
But you've got all these things that people are saying. I was called a, a buffoon and a fear monger. And Holly Hollingsworth was called a fear monger too. And she let it rip. But you were at the meeting when she talked. Sure. And I was so proud of her because it's not fear mongering. What we're doing is saying there's a different way forward. Mm-hmm. And there's this is a fork in the road. You sure. go this way, this is what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The key to the whole thing is when it gets zoned. Let me give, I like to use live examples, Jordan. I, you, are, you are very um, theoretical, but I want to use live no, examples. No, I'm just as live as you, last. Good. So <laughs> that's hilarious. But I'll tell you when we were in COVID and we had a Zoom meeting on council and all of a sudden they wanted to do some apartments up on Riggins Road. And I'm like, man, this guy's crazy. We're never going to zone that for apartments. And I looked at it and I said, wait a minute. That was zoned in 2006 <clears throat> up there behind Silverton there where that storage shed is up mm-hmm. there. And so... It wasn't that if they were going to develop, it's how many stories and how many bedrooms. That's what the conversation was about. Mm. So if you want an exa- a live example of why zoning matters, that's it. Because if you zone the BMW building and the Verizon building as multifamily, guess what? Sooner or later, it's going to happen. Might be five years, might be 10, might be eight, but it's going to happen. Sure. And that's the message we want to get across the community. It says, hey, this is getting real close to being permanent. The comp plan was voted on. It's not just a plan or an idea or a concept. If you read on page 151 in that plan, the plan requires the zoning to match the comp plan. Mm-hmm. Implementation actions are boom, boom, and boom. Yes. Okay. I've read it. So, oh, I'm so glad because there are some really good things in this comp plan too. Mm-hmm. The walkability. Everyone wants the walkability. I would remind everyone, you just voted for a half a percent tax increase for walkability. Mm-hmm. We have 10 projects in the capital plan or more where we're, you'll see us where we're putting those missed pieces of concrete together. The one I love is the one out by Darby Creek Nursery where we had the, the walking path come to his property line there. And then there was a whole 68, you know, however, I mean, 140 feet of frontage. And then the, in front of the uh, Chase Bank, we had a, a sidewalk. But we didn't do one right there. Now, five years earlier, we'd put a pipe underneath the ground there, but we never did the walking path. Mm. We've, we're fixing those things. That's what the sure. professional management brings. It brings a more comprehensive approach. This planning document, though, is not what Hilliard wants. Mm. And, Jordan, I think you can see, we I will tell you, we're getting covered up. We sure. can't keep up with the requests. As people look at the colors on the map, they get it, and they're looking at it, and they're saying, no, we need something different. So, Les, so it seems like the objections to what is in the plan are uh, density, two, two related things, density and uh, height, the height of buildings on particular streets. Well, And it, those are obviously related. The higher you build, the denser it is. Right, and, and on top of that, the other one that is most – concerning to me, and I'll give you a great example, is the school board didn't even know about the comp plan until we did the video. Okay. There were members of the board like, what is this? Okay. And then the other thing is, we're talking to the fair board. They had no idea that there was a road going to go down next in their in their parking lot. Mm. You know, and so, and then if you look at the comp plan, they want to f- surround the fair with density on all sides, high density. Well, it doesn't take long to look. If you look at the neighborhood to the north of the fair, they're not going to be too excited with four stories in their backyard either. Right. You know, so I think, I think what's really got to happen is we need to chuck it, start over, and get all the stakeholders involved and have a better uh, group. Now, that's another thing I want to talk about. 
27 people got together and they worked so hard for so long. I don't discount any of that. I thank them for that. But 27 people is 27 people. It's not 37,000. Right. And so at the end of the day, the 37,000 are going to have their say. Which way we go forward? Hmm. So um, in the plan, which I, and I've read uh, the bulk of it, I'm still picking through it to try and understand the whole thing very deeply. Um, <laughs> I had to print it off and put it on my dining room table. <laughs> it's, a, it's huge. It's such a chunk. My, my printer over here, my laser jet, worked for half an hour to get that thing printed for it's 160 me. pages, right? Yeah. Well, and brother, I mean, you remember the one that existed when uh, the previous administration was here? Yeah. It was not as big, and you and I had our own problems with it then oh, in yeah. that style of development then. So, I mean... I think the idea that a city of 37,000 people surrounding one of the largest uh, municipalities that's growing in uh, the state of Ohio, facing a reindustrialization effort that I know, Les, you're very proud of the build it here kind of mentality. And I know I've seen your statements on the kind of emerging <coughs> tech industry in the Silicon uh, Valley of the Midwest uh, concept that we're kind of embracing here locally. So I want to talk about that stuff too. I but I, I didn't. I didn't get to my question. Well, <laughs> meander, meander away, my friend. But I think I think I you, you had talked about density and you talked about height, and then Les went where he went. So well, my question for you, Les, is if uh, take the plan as as it is mostly, if we addressed uh, the zoning issues and the height, then you have to address <clears throat> what need you're addressing. So right. when we went into this plan, and I went to some of the meetings, and I kind of just smiled because I saw what was happening. The plan's design is to create tax revenue for the city. Right. I believe the foundation of the design should be more along the lines, what our community needs. And I will tell you, the people that I hang out with all over, and if you know me, I'm not... I can't, I'm not, I'm loud, I'm boisterous. It's just, a, uh, if it's a gift or a curse, I don't know. But I will, I'll talk to anybody. Where are you from? What are you about? You know, I don't care who you are. And every time I hear, I don't want the big home I got, but I can't afford to go anywhere else. Mm. Or I can't find anything and I want to stay here. We should be solving our community's needs with step-down housing, starter homes, and things of those nature. So, and Jordan and I were going back and forth to the cottage homes, but I'm telling you, those are the kind of things that we can do on a neighborly, in a neighborly, moderate fashion to start to address that. Because we had, I'll give you a great example of another failure. We had the local Metropolitan Housing Authority, the, the Columbus Council one time. And I asked her one simple question, and I'm looking at her and I'm listening to, there's four different agencies that are working on housing, running around on fire around here, in the county, in the city, in the city of Columbus, and everywhere else. And, and I said, what makes you think we're going to solve it doing this because the last 50 years we haven't been able to solve it? Mm. And she just looked at me and started talking, and she never did answer the question. So what I say to you is, and I say to the whole community is, we got to solve our concerns locally. We can't rely on these agencies that are just, I mean, what's that one guy making in a, a metropolitan housing? Resort? He's like a big, over half a million, 600, 700,000 a year, and he can't even get uh, housing built for people. I mean, it's pathetic. And, and I just, I tell it how it is. I tell you from my heart because we should be working on those things. That's so, yeah. housing, that, that affordable housing for newcomers to come back. Those ones that go up and come down right away, right? 
What do you mean? Those condos and those units and those whatever that go up, get built where they can, and then get sold and used by the community, right? I mean, we should court that kind of development. We should court development that's popular with people and that they want to buy because you're suggesting that, I mean, that's well, that what they, that we they need, need to use. right? Yeah. That you dress the need. And I think the market, I, I think what's happened is, is everyone's running around with their hair on fire that Intel's being built. So we, we got, we got 600,000 people coming to Columbus. Folks, we are 40, 45 minutes from Intel. Mm. Imagine when the traffic starts, we're going to be an hour and 10 minutes from, from Intel. Yeah. So the other pressure you have, and I know, Jordan, this is one of yours in your heart, and it's in mine too in a lot of ways, is the Derby. If you take and you do a drone shot of Columbus or you get up at any height and you look around, we have the most green space on our side of town. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's I been see a nice the, buffer over the years. Yes, and you know, and and we so we still have the opportunity to control our destiny, more so than the people over in New Albany on Hamilton Road. Mm. If you look over there, they've got a nightmare going on, and now they're annexing like crazy. And I was in Gahanna yesterday. Yes, and you just yes. can keep, you just keep. Go- I went to get a sandwich, <laughs> and I was just, wow, we're driving forever. Yeah, you know, we'd be I'd be in Dayton by now if if, if I was <laughs> uh, driving the opposite direction, starting in Hilliard. So, so the question about the Derby is now, if you see what's going on with the EPA and their plan for Plain City, and you see the Ma- Madison County issues, and you see the Union County issues, and you saw for a while Columbus was going to treat the the waste from uh, Plain City, all of those things are neighbors to our north, and it's not a hard. Uh, uh, we we need to be involved in those discussions. We need to regionally look at that and say, okay, I asked someone on city council, and and, and maybe Cynthia, uh, uh, I asked her, I said, has all the development standards we put put in place in the Derby, green space requirements, stormwater management, you know, all the stuff over at Heritage Preserve, you see all the uh, shallow lakes, all the things, has it helped? Has it helped the creek? And no one had an answer. Hmm. And so I guess... It's conserved the creek, whatever the creek's reality is. It is because we've kept it the way it is. So I don't know if it's helped or harmed. I I could answer that. The national EPA is uh, rolling back a lot of ground coverage uh, rules about how ponds and bodies of water connect. So I'm sure developers, as usual, will be pushing in on those things and trying to take advantage of those lowered standards for conservation. But that's why I think, uh, at minimum, entities like... Spock and entities like those that have tried to preserve the Big Derby Accord for all these years are important because they fight those concentrated fights in places where the, the action is. Oh, I- but I will say, I will say this, as this city grows, as okay. this city expands, what I said previously about disorganized citizenry doesn't change because a few pockets of people are organizing around local issues and fights. What I believe needs to happen is there needs to be an expansion of democracy here where wards are more fully represented. And I think that is the only way that you're going to get to a lot of the things that you want and that I want. You know, I never thought about the ward system. It's funny, too, because the ward system is partially in the charter. Like we had to designate. It's there for planning and zoning purposes and other things, and yeah. it's representationally there for planning and zoning purposes. It could very easily be there they, for citizen groups. They never did for council. And so... You know, you see that in Columbus, though, and one would argue that that hybrid is just a joke um, because it doesn't do what you described. And so, you know, I don't know about that. I'd have to think on it and think it through. I know this. 
I'm running for Norwich Township, and it is one big. I mean, it is big. I got. I went through tanks of gas putting signs in, and it's because it's such a big area. You know what I mean? So these areas, Hilliard's big. You know, one side to the other. It's a long way. It's eight miles, nine miles from one side to the other side. So we we have, but the Derby is very unique to us, and so here's what's happening. And so. Here's, I've tried to reach some common ground. When you, when you get locked in and you got one side and you got the other, and you, you have to look and say, okay, let's all be adults in the room. And that's what we are today, right? That's why I, I really enjoy the discussion because Jordan, you and I know we're not on the same side of the fence on half the stuff we're going to talk about. Of course. But at the end of the day, there are areas where you and I probably have alignment, and especially when it comes to the environment and preserving that out west. Oh, yeah, because we don't want to talk about adding traffic to cemetery road but if we can get something done with that disused rail yard i've been staring at for 15 years i don't care what goes in on it at this point i would just love to see a human face uh within real walking distance i'd love to see the old uh, propane tank removed and maybe some walking paths down through there um but so when you think about the derby here's my fear and this is one that is real michelle uh city manager is getting ready to do some rezoning on it and then the save hilliard uh wave has started and she's obviously pulled back on that and not going to do anything until after the election sure um, well i mean she's the city manager there's smart. a council that's yeah controls and, her fate as it's been written into the charter sure so but what's happening is as you look across bradley some a gentleman bought 500 acres and then another gentleman bought 150 acres between bradley and the new uh alton commons right uh, deal now, neither of those, my understanding is I've reached out, neither of those owners have any intention of annexing into Hilliard or asking for utility services. So what's that mean? And I, it scares me to death what it means because you know what's going to happen? What Andy Warnock did across from where the new fire station is going to go in. They're going to put $1 and $2 million homes on two-acre lots and run them into septic and run septic and run well. Sanitary sewer, is that what you're... No, septic, no, septic, septic system, septic tanks. Now we Because we don't have the ERUs available, is that... No, we have plenty of ERUs. Don't let them kid you. And in fact, now that the force main's done up on Hayden Run, um, all, the, all the sewer waste from Tarleton east and west and all that is going to the north and not going through the Millican trunk. We have kind of plenty of capacity in the Darby Court. But the question is, is what is it going to develop into? Hmm. And, and what I would say to you is a lot of these landowners now are looking at not even annexing because they're going to a 70% green space requirement. Hmm. Well, they can't, they can't, they're going to say they can't do it. So what happens is, is now you're going to have all these homes out there in Brown Township on septic. If you go look at a county map right now in, Frank, in Franklin County, there are thousands of homes on septic that are not hooked up yet that have failed and are, are causing environmental problems within our county. Groundwater. Groundwater contamination, where does it go? It goes to the ditches and it runs right to the creeks. Mm. So, guys, we have an opportunity to say, no, we need to get it together. We know these landowners, they have rights. We're not going to stop them from developing. It's, and again, it's not no, it's what. And so, when you start to look across the spectrum of Hilliard, that's what the discussion is. And by the way, as you can tell, I enjoy it. Well, I mean, it's great for an election issue. And a great way to launch a campaign season, I got to say, to draw a clear line and use what you use to do that, it's effective. And I will say that it's centered the local election on the community plan, which suits my purposes just fine, because while you say 
there are issues with significant parts of it. I think what it highlights is that before now, there was no community plan that provided a ongoing process. There was a certain person's will <laughs> and a certain person's will enabled through whatever uh, service was provided. And I will say that uh, there are echoes of that even today. Oh, and sure. I think that uh, maybe that might segue us into tax increment financing. Oh, that's your favorite. I like it. It is my favorite. <laughs> um, you were part of Michael Stenziano's tax increment review or a tax incentive review council session in 2022. And 2023. 2023. Right now, I looked at the site and it is down because I think the new report is being loaded uh, and things will be coming out. We, at one point, were very TIFF happy. We, together, I will say together, because I was very much in favor of this, maybe for different reasons than other people. I, I couldn't say at this point because uh, Councilperson Andy Teeter was a big part of that campaign as well. And like I said, sometimes these tax abatements and issues cut across regular politics locally in different ways. So my read on that taxing uh, incentive review council is that there was a lot of attention paid individually to the CRAs. As a bulk uh, client, tax increment financing did not get similar scrutiny. And is that, do you feel satisfied by that incentive review council? Do you feel it did its job? Well, so when I go there, just to tell you for that review, um, I'm the, I'm the uh, council liaison appointed to that board. Um, I look to make sure that the business is doing what they've committed to jobs, revenue, tax revenue, all those things, right? And that's been kind of gradually built in over the years as mechanisms have evolved because some of this stuff doesn't have those requirements. Some of the stuff has minimal clawbacks. Some of the stuff is... Right. And so it's gotten more, it's gotten, excuse me, more sophisticated. Um, but in an essence, that's what I'm focused on. Are you hitting your mark? Are you bringing the jobs you said you were going to bring? because we've, we've abated it or we've done whatever with it, right? That piece of property or like the Soma TIF or whatever. So that's where I start. And then I go to, okay, when do these roll off? Like there's several of them going to roll off next year. They're going to help the township. I was excited. It's about half a million, I think, and taxes are going to yeah, flow. I saw to, some yeah. 2023s and fours. Right. So, but the, you notice after 2024, there's a big gap before the next one starts to 36. roll off. 36. That's the reason because of issue nine, Jordan. We stopped the TIFs, so they had to go to different mechanisms. Yeah. And well, in that report, uh, the city employee that was presenting for Hilliard uh, remarked that they were very encouraged by the results of that complete stoppage of TIF. Yeah. And there was development occurring. There was commercial growth occurring. And I, I have to say, I would have gone even further and eliminated commercial TIF because, as we see with BMW Financial, easy come, easy go. <laughs> And I got to say, uh, with the recent <coughs> reapproval of another 30-year abatement for a parcel like Easton, which was financed a, a highway exit the first time around, what are they going to build this time? I don't know. I'm going to bet you more apartments. But another yeah. 30 years is kind of an, a, an obscenity to all the other things that it Swiss cheeses the tax base for and that people keep coming back to the taxpayer for. Right. Which provides a lot of these increases in property values and all these other things that people are frustrated about. So one of the promises of Save Hilliard is keep taxes low. Well, taxes are not low now. So what does Save Hilliard feel they're going to do in in reference to TIF, in reference to how that goes to improve the situation? Okay. Uh, oh, I'm so glad you asked me that question. 
So when you think about taxation and taxation policy locally, um, one of the things you have to look at is, let's just use these schools for example. When, when I came on the city council, the schools were number one or two in terms of millage. Hilliard was right up there at the top, all right? And they kept it up there, right? And you'll hear some of my peers, you'll hear, you know, well, you can't have Cadillac schools or steak dinner without paying for it, right? Well, it's the number one employer as well. That's right. It's our largest employer. But what's happened is those taxes have moderated. We're now ranked 13th, and we're really close to being ranked 17th or 18th if you look at millage. Because guess what? We've only had one tax increase from the levies from schools, and it was less than four mills in the last decade. Ten years, yeah. Okay? So, Jordan, that's no accident. Hmm? What that is is us saying, no, we're not going to do the things that we've done before. And let's face it, COVID pumped some money into the schools, got them through, because I think they were talking a tax increase before that or levy request. And then COVID hit, and that, that messed everything. Well, they were going on a couple of years of stretching it yeah, as so, it was. So I think so on the a, one hand, they were suggesting providing value and maintaining certain things in a, in a tough time. But on the other hand, eventually bills come due. I right. mean, we're seeing it all over the country. So, so what my approach to taxation is at the local level, the more commercial you bring in, the less the residents have to pay. Sure. I'm going to point right to the research center at ADS right there on Davidson Road. You know what we did? We bought part of a road for them, and they built a facility. Right. I think when you use, and when TIF does get used, it makes sense to use it on the hometown heroes, the people that are more likely to stay through lean times or to stay committed through right. an uncertain financial future. But that's a fundamental weakness of TIF, these long durations. You, don't, you cannot anticipate COVID. You cannot anticipate the 2008 financial crisis, and those things are practically built into the operating system at this point. So when you look at the taxation, you see the moderation in the schools. We're not nearly where we were before. Okay, that's a great story. The township, Norwich, said, we don't need taxes for a decade. They've kept their promise. Mm. Okay, and I was on that original campaign right when I started. It's been a decade. I'm feeling old. Um, but, you know, so from a taxation perspective, it's not that I'm going to lower your taxes. It's that we're going to keep them moderated through the growth and commercial development, right? Through the limited use of these economic tools that redirect money away. Um, I will fight to the death on abatements on a lot of these things because I, the abatements actually raise everyone else's taxes. I don't know Correct. if you understand yes, that. Yes, 100%. The underlying so, report for that tax incentive review council was actually more helpful to me and I think would be more helpful to a lot of people understanding what happens. And where the money's going, where it's flowing, who's What happens what. in the second order effects. That's right. Now, let's talk about that T-Rec. What I go in and look at is Amazon. Amazon is our largest employer, one of our AWS. And now we abated those things, right? We, we had to get them in here, right? Now, when those roll off, and the, some of those, believe it or not, are going to roll off in the next couple of years. I've seen the, uh, the assessed, I've seen the dates. Yeah. The assessed valuation, the market valuation of those buildings is ridiculous. Yeah. On the last Amazon deal, the city did a wonderful job in the economic development side of it, and getting payments in lieu of taxes. Mm. And it's it's uh, to the tune of a million something, million three when all that square foot's based on square footage. Yeah. So you know, the, <laughs> I remember Brian Wilson saying, "I'll take every one of those deals I can get." Sure, uh, I think that's one of those that you can't deny is such a physical installation 
that it would be tough to abandon. It would be tough to write off as a single enterprise. And if they wrote it off, somebody would be subsidized to come in and utilize it. So that, that, I think it's almost a no there. lose. I mean, those babies aren't going anywhere. They're not going to be a BMW-like deal. Yeah. Um, they check a lot of boxes for me on the taxation side, the service request sides. You don't even need teachers to, to, to handle AD, AWS or Amazon. And, by the way, now I was corrected. Uh, Tim Roberts at the Norwich told me that the, the fire services are in there a lot for uh, inspection. Uh, fire services, uh, they get called there for alarms and all that stuff. So I didn't realize there was that much intense labor for the fire side as there was. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, when you're looking at whether you make a decision, the only thing I would do if I do it, it, I think the one up by the highway is a great deal. The, uh, but the ones near the, the residence, we probably need to watch that really closely. I, I also think that you really better think through putting one out in the Darby Accord. Um, that I think there's been uh, wind out there. There's been some rumors out there that they're looking at one out there in the Darby Accord. And while it may sound like it makes sense, I'm not sure that's part of the Darby Accord agreement either. And no one's clarified that for me yet. So. Yeah, I looked up a few things, and I have I've kept track of Hickory Chase over the years, and uh, the community authority just recently, and this is the most recent response I can find, is that they had some substantial reporting errors and oh. accounting practices that needed revision. And on the one hand, this creates that one-to-one -one engagement with the city that is kind of, I guess for lack of a better term, or to be crass, a whip hand that can find a way to force businesses to comply. But at the same time, that's taxation too. So right. I think, as you're suggesting, there's a balance to be had with right. complex financial mechanisms. Uh, mine is that it should have stayed as issue nine. I would love to get into it with you about issue 25 and the generative process behind a charter language tune-up that turned into the creation of oh, the, the, the power. Oh, the to it, yeah. At the trustee yeah. position and at the school board position for control of TIF, when I don't think TIF should be decided in those ways at all. Well, so that's yeah. that's a, that's another place to go. But I gotta I gotta let Kevin get a question, and he wanted to talk <laughs> about this SRO thing. All I right. wanted to let you talk about that. I wanted to maybe prompt you to say, do you feel uh, because it came up in the Meet the Candidates night? Do you feel present budgets are appropriate? For the police department, do you feel that there might be uh, some advantage in diversifying the force from the perspective of mental health services and things that are being suggested on a national level here? As a as a community leader, do you think Hilliard has potential in those areas? So let's start with the mental health because I think that's what we're seeing a lot of behavioral issues. I mean, just look at that video that fight I sent out to the council. I sent it to you, Kevin. That one really alarmed me because our SRO was taking care of one student, another one was jumping him, and another one, they had no concern for that there was an officer involved. So the mental health aspect and the behavioral aspects, I think, tie in. Our officers are trained in those areas, by the way. We have key designated officers that go through specialized training just for that. And let's talk about it. It's a step-down situation with a suicide attempt. It's it's a gun, and I, I'm, I don't want to live anymore. These are You look at the baby situation we're just going through right now as a community. These folks, the women and men in HPD, are trained, are extensively trained. Our chief is very good at getting those resources to our officers. My position on SROs, I've made it clear throughout. I think 
now more than ever, and maybe it's not permanent, but right now, <clears throat> given the level of what I'm hearing, um, concern within the teachers' ranks for their safety, we've got to examine our SRO policy. I've been talking with Ms. Murdoch, the president of the school board, about uh, doing that um, and looking at ways to put additional resources in the schools to help with the violence that's occurring. If, you do, if you've got kids having a melee in the middle of the school, they're certainly not getting educated. Um, so we've got to have some type of order that brings back that security and that feeling that I, I'm in a safe space and I can learn. And so um, one of the things I, I really like about what I do is I get a lot of people pull me to the side and say, hey, this is going on. Have you heard about this? Well, then I say, okay, how do I address that from a policy perspective? And when I see a video like that, um, you know, it, and, and by the way, what concerns me the most is that my staff knew about that video and the city manager was really more concerned about it being in her space and for her to address than council to address. And what I would say to you is, I mean, if you look at the video, she was very upset that I had brought it to the floor of council for a policy discussion. So, uh, quite frankly, I don't care because I care about the kid's safety, not whose turf it is. And so I'm going to advocate that pretty hard, strongly that we look at a resolution adding a couple SROs. Uh, there's been discussion about a roving SRO maybe, um, but I think we need to bolster that and send the right signal to the community that we're going to have an environment for our children to learn that is conducive to learning and not what I saw in that video. And mm -hmm. let's face it, I think a pocket knife came out of that kid's waistband. Um, you can't, it, you slow it down, you try to look at it, you just can't get enough focus on that video. It was off a phone. But something came out of his waistband, it and did. I didn't hear what it was. Mm -hmm. So um, let's just be real, let's just be honest, let's have the discussion. Hey, I might be on the wrong side of it, but at least we're having the discussion. And I think that's the important part. Yeah, I think that kind of touches on something that I feel has been cultivated a little bit over the last several years is the idea of collaborative government. Uh, yeah. I think that there's obviously room for interpretation on what collaborative means. I think there can be a setting against uh, of various factional uh, elements between these government bodies. And I think that is not what anybody's striving for because once you create official resolutions as opposed to working groups you create a public record that creates an overall chilling effect for people that want to see and feel real collaborative government which includes long drawn out planning sessions which includes complex plans that may at first appear frightening or overwhelming but in reality do just provide guidance do just provide a framework that is always evolving and that should always be evolving given real collaborative government. So I'd like, if you don't mind, Les, to talk about, and Paul Lambert was here before you by several months, I think we had him in, and he talked about the role he's played in trying to foster that uh, relationship between these government uh, entities. So if you want to talk about that a little bit, what's your perspective on those matters? Well, what you're describing is what administrators should do. What I'm describing is what policymakers should do. Hmm. Um, if the policy is going to be that the board and the council agree that through discussions that the school board and the city council agree that there should be additional resources, then the question always comes down to cost. Hmm. 
Mm. just like it does in development decisions, mm. right? And then, to me, the responsibility for the safety of our children and the safety of our teachers and the safety of our officers lies with the police department in the city. Prioritizing. Right. It's absolutely our one of our primary focuses. So as a member of council, I believe it's absolutely in our wheelhouse to sit forward and say, hey, I'm going to bring this before the public. Let's have the discussion. Mm. Now, what you describe is the current way leadership likes to operate in the city. We're going to do it behind closed doors. Well, I don't think anything is suggested behind closed doors in what I said. Well, I think the way your approach is is that it be done through committee or through, through these things. I see yeah, representative bodies elected right. and participating in an ongoing governance structure. Correct. But what I say is let's get the policy discussion done because the policy comes first. Well, the policy can set a poll, but that's that's a policy. That's not necessarily what is is desirable. I mean, it's just what's on offer. No, no, so, no, no. The po- you, you misunderstand the role of policy government. The policy is set, then the executives go and execute that policy. Sure, by that's politicians. Well, but what I'm saying is right. what you create is just a policy. So that's a policy that deals with a need or a perceived need in whatever way, correct? So, so when I put a resolution forward, it's going to say we need to address and add additional resource officers to the high schools in an effort to quell the current amount of violence that's occurring. Hmm. Okay? I'm going to put that on the floor. Okay? Then what we'll do is we'll probably have discussions with both the school board and the city council members, and then have... Might want to mention there's a comp plan, too. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. oh absolutely. And uh, then... Do you think that's appropriate that they didn't know that there was a comprehensive plan? Um, no, but neither did the fair board. I just talked to some folks at the fair board. They had no idea. Hmm. So it was... It, it, you got Do you think five, that's the truth? Man, I don't know why people... If you look, there's a lot of people in the community who had no idea about this comp plan. Oh. And guess what? My phone's blowing up right now. Because people want more of my yard signs. Sure. And it's because they understand now, and they're looking at the maps, and they're looking at the document, and they're distilling it in their own mind, and they're coming to their own conclusion. Yeah. Which, by the way, is the way it should work. And by the way, per creates better outcomes for all of us. Yes. Sure. So, so to answer your question, on the resolution, I think the discussion gets started, and then people have the discussion, and then you make a decision, and then you move on. Sure. And and so that's the transparent way to operate. What 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 I think makes people and administrators uncomfortable is when that discussion hasn't happened before they've had a chance to influence it. Mm. And so you get that tension. And I work for the citizens. Michelle works for the council. Okay. So what you're having, and it's funny, I get this note on next door or on these apps or whatever and social media, which is an interesting animal. Well, it's odd that the timing of this save Hilliard is right now. Well, no, it's not. You and I both know the outcomes are political. Mm-hmm. The outcomes in the discussion is always political. Yes. So let's have the discussion. Let's have the debate. Derek Richards and I have wonderful debates. He wants more apartments. And he, said, and he asked me, he says, Les, where are all these people going to go? And I said, well, wherever they're going to go, they're going to come in a measured, moderate, and neighborly approach. And I said, and that means... You know, we're going to develop in a way that is not going to be six and seven stories in someone's backyard. We're going to be measured in our approach. By the way, just as an example, since we haven't had the TIF for 10 years now, it's almost been a decade. Mm -hmm. We've still grown. 
-hmm. Commercial development is still flourished. The world hasn't come to the end. The sun rises in the east, and everything keeps spinning. Yeah, and equity finally got their tiff. And they did. Okay, <laughs> I'll take that shot. And I will tell you, we're talking about True Point, so let's get clarity. Um, True Point was a dream of mine, and I said that at city council meeting. You know I remember. why? You know why? Not because it had 300 multifamily units, mm -hmm. but because it was all three agencies and all the elected mm -hmm. officials said yes. Right. Now, what the community doesn't know and hasn't seen yet, and it's coming, is the development of a major, major employer hmm. with hundreds of six-figure jobs that will include more jobs down the road. That's great. Great example. AWS, when they first came with their first data right, center. Right, they're looking for rooftops to put people in, yeah. right on, right in that area. Well, they are looking, no, AWS isn't. AWS. No, no, the company that this major employer is looking for rooftops so they can put people right close, you know? Well, or put another way, they're looking they're looking to, to be a member of the Hilliard community forever. Correct. And so that announcement's going to come, and then it's going to come together as to, oh, this is why we did this. And that, it's gonna, one, that one extra incentive marker that you feel pushed it past the line. I would, by the way, I voted no on the apartment zoning because no one showed me a plan. Mm. All of a sudden, they wanted me to zone it. Mm. And I said, no, uh, without the whole deal, I want to see the whole deal. Right. And they wouldn't give it to me. So right. what I did was I made a couple phone calls. And I feel very comfortable with the per personnel that committed to me that the employer's going to come and the medical's going to come mm. as some form and fashion. And if you haven't looked at it, medical's retail now. I mean, that is pretty yeah. behind closed doors, brother. That is. You're right. I'll take that shot. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, True Point was the home team. Advanced the drainage system argument applies as well. They've been there for decades the and, street you know they're there in an annexed property that came into hilliard when the red roof inn ownership was there and said hey let's get in here because these township it, services it's a it's a success story yeah and so but it's a success for me because all the agencies agreed now man was there some maturation and was there some grinding going on and i was called some names by a couple trustees and there was you know there, there was there was extreme this. definition of collaborative yes thank you thank you for clarity <laughs> But you know what? We're better for it as a community. Mm. So, and and uh, I thank the Lord that Paul Lambert was where he was, and what did what he did because he has the respect of everybody at all three levels of government. Mm. And so, Paul, as you you had him on your show, uh, when I go when I have a question, I go ask him because he's going to tell me the straight shot, and he's going to tell me, well, this think about this, think about this, and so, as a leader in the community, you have to make those calls sometimes. Sure. But you know what? We hadn't had a TIF since then, since 2016. Mm. That's how long. And look at how much we've grown, and look how our tax structure's been, and look at where our tax rankings are. Right. Now, what we did was, is we said, okay, we can't afford to do a community center like everybody else, but here's what we can do to solve it. And we put it before the voters, and we sold it. And you know what? It's going to, that place is going to, when she, when Michelle gets, that's going to be the Taj Mahal, buddy. That place is outstanding. We're yeah. going to have our kids playing on our fields. We're going to have people wanting to come to our community to play because we are Destination City. So at the end of the day, guys, the discussion is what matters. You and I can disagree. Tim, you and I can disagree. Corvo and I argue all the time. We just go out of the Clippers game and do it. you know. <laughs> but the point of it is, is we're better for it. I think what you're starting to see is, is you'll start to see uh, uh, the community weigh in on this community plan, and we are weighing in on it now. It's coming, right? 
And then you'll start to see it settle, and then you'll see the cola, the adults in the room say, okay, how do we move forward? Mm-hmm. And I'm happy for it either way, but I'm glad we're having the conversation. So that's, that's what I leave you with. Uh, me personally, uh, I've been working so hard on Healthy Hilliard and, and working on this uh, SaveHilliard.com. I've only been able, I haven't even really started campaigning for trustee because I've been working on this. I do want to say one thing, and I appreciate you letting me talk today. I thank you guys. I was busting your chops. You got Cynthia in here first, but that was fine. Um, but, you know. Oh, she's coming back, too. Oh, good. Just of as course. a candidate, of oh, course. Of course. Of course she is. Um, but I will say this. A lot of people said to me, Les, what happens if you become trustee? I said, well, I would have to resign my council seat and move over to the unexpired term of Larry Ehrman's seat, um, which was is currently housed by Jerry O'Shaughnessy. He was appointed by the judge. And they said, well, we want you on council. And I look at them and I say, listen, one or two people can't do what a group needs to do on council. Council is run by a majority. And council's policies are written written by a majority. You need a team of like-minded people. This next cycle, we've got a a very young man who's great, professional. He did really well in the uh, conversation, I guess, last night. From what I hear, JT did great. Um, you've got uh, Michael Hellerman running out in Brown Township to change some things out there. They haven't had a race, a contested race out of there in two or three decades. Hmm. You know, you've got uh, uh, Mike Carney who stepped up, uh, who said, hey, I want to make a difference, and I don't like what I see in Old Hilliard, and I, I want, you know, to be involved. And, I, and so you've got a group of people. You've got Omar going for fiscal officer. Um, you've got a good Caitlin Masters running for school board. And these folks are now understanding the development decisions I mean, we had a school board candidate say, we don't get involved in any of that. The schools sign off on all of it. I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it it is just fascinating to me to watch. So these discussions we're having about development connect and touch every area of our community. You wanted the TIF to be pure, what I call pure, no TIFs for anything, right? We came to a moderate, you know, and and, and ameliorate a plan in our charter that says this is how it's going to work. You know, we're the only hybrid like that in the state of Ohio, by the way. Mm-hmm. No one else does it the way we do. It's true. And I'm proud of it. Uh, Should and be. And we definitely, I think everyone now will now know we are not Dublin and we are not Grove City. We're Hilliard. And we're going to be Hilliard and we're going to do our things our way. And it's going to be because we're having these conversations. Mm. So, again, I thank you guys. Um, I, I, I love the work you're doing. The Substack, I love it when you, you, get, you get all esoteric on me. But I love it. It's just so, and I listen to it because of it. And so I'm going to encourage folks to listen. We're going to put it on our webpage and link it. And, uh, you know, we'll have fun with it. Glad to hear it. And a surprise to, I'm pretty sure no one at this table, Les Carrier sets the outer limit for candidate interviews at one hour, six minutes. (laughs) I would Uh, talk forever about it. You know, my wife gets sick of it too. She says, shut up. (laughs) I understand. Uh, But, again, I I would uh, echo your sentiments there in that, Settling into the grind, doing the work that is not necessarily during election season or to create a fever pitch is the overall tenor that we want to achieve eventually here uh, that will provide the best outcomes for everyone, no matter who they vote for. And I think uh, my position has always been to create a structure uh, that serves best the people of Hilliard and the citizens of Hilliard. And I think everybody heard uh, we were all well represented here, except Kevin, who maintained his sentinel-like posture. <laughs> but uh last answered the question I asked my question is or was Cesaro, why why yeah. are you seeking the trustee seat? We've talked about your vision and what is best 
and what opportunities you want to give to Hillwood residents, why, why, why shift from the city council over to the trustees' side? I've been but, doing it. But a you decade. began to address that. Yeah, I did it for a decade. Um, it's not that it's boring. You know, look at me. I'm running full speed right now on, mm -hmm. on city issues, right? But it's also a township issue. It's absolutely a township. It's a community issue, right? So whether I'm serving in the city council role or the township role, I'm still going to have impact on development. I'm going to still have impact on, on community policy. The other side of it is, is there's, some, there's some headwinds coming. Our uh, firefighters are awesome, but they, they, we need to look at compensation. We need to look at their ability to continue to keep our ISO rating, which helps us all with homeowners insurance, by the way. Um, we're number one. Response times. Yeah, response right. times. You know, you've got the Brown Township drama going on. I have no idea why they keep Brown Township keeps messing around with that uh, service contract. Um, and so you've got all that going. You got a new firehouse going in. You got questions: Should you bond it? Should you use it? Uh, uh, should you uh, 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 go to a levy? Go to a ballot? Um, so that you know that you got to have that. Um, so all of those things are just things that you continue to work on. And it, by the way. I said it in my announcement video. You're going to see me on that bucket while squirting somebody with a fire hose. If I, you know, I'm you get kidding. to drive the big trucks. That's, yeah, that's what you funny. said in that uh, in that response uh, on your uh, campaign announcement. Yeah, it's a, that's it fun, all, you know. It also is, and you admitted as much. You do have a, an outsized grip on that TIF mechanism in that township office now, as a result of issue 25, which made the township sign off part of that high-intensity collaborative government that we're talking about right now. Sure. So that is a mechanism that is there and available to you in that office and, and one of the reasons that anybody would seek it because that provides a certain amount of leverage from a certain position. And you can rally people to that opinion and, and use, it, uh, use it to represent their best interests. So uh, just to conclude, I want to thank everybody for coming out today. Thank you again, Les, for being brave and, and taking the first plunge. I knew you would be uh, oh, ready, willing, and able. Jumping up and down. I was like, wait a minute. Cynthia's over here. I need, I need equal time. I know, I know. So, well, if only if only we would hold uh, those standards nationally, we might uh, we might we might maintain a little bit more equity and representation. But uh, anything else, Kevin? I don't know. Uh, other than to say Les Carrier is seeking the unexpired term of Larry Urban. So this is a two-year term. Yes. Uh, his opponent is Greg Young, a retired uh, firefighter and assistant fire chief, I believe. I can't remember when he retired. He's a really good guy. I mean, it, you know, it's great. It's, and it's less carriers midterm. So I would also share to the listeners that if he weren't successful, he stays on city council. He, he, would, he, would, he would keep his seat. Uh, if, if he's successful in the election, right. uh, he would resign that seat. And then there would be an appointment to city council. Correct. Um, which the... Whoever is successful in the election for city council, they in January would determine uh, who succeeds or who fills your expired term. Correct. Uh, and there would be opportunity, I suppose, to make a choice there um, as well. Absolutely. The, Fascinating. The Choices abound. Council members. Yeah, it's a, it's a interesting. And, you know, the good thing is, is we've got a lot of people engaged. There's people running. There's people learning. I mean, no that was one of Kevin's key aims with continuing this and taking this chance um, is that he wanted to encourage people to pay more attention um, and to stay as involved yes, as they could. Uh, I'm seeing more activity, I think, in, in the recent past. Yeah, I, can, I can think of times where, uh, well, there were people we just spoke about the example of not knowing there was a comp plan. It was passed in April. There was discussion on this. Yeah. Why don't, why aren't people aware of this? Much less, you know, 
people in another elected positions. And I think we got to rely less on established social media. These social so. networks are killing our honest-to-God <laughs> conversations and connectivity. So, hey. I think everybody can agree. My wife still will not let me on Facebook. Good honor. Good honor. <laughs> all right, everybody. I'm calling it. I am calling Thank it. You Thank guys. you, everyone. I, I do appreciate you, you all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think if we're driving, we're going to get out and stretch. <laughs> <laughs>